nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by James Moffat, the surname of a man who uh, has certainly plenty of credentials, but one of the big ones for him this year is his 12th Bathurst. James, uh, welcome to the show, and uh, great to have you back on board, and you must be always thrilled to be heading to, to the mountains. Yeah, certainly am, Tony. First of all, thanks very much for having me on the show. So, um, yeah, definitely itching. Um, itching at the bit to get up to Mount Panorama and and tackle the great race and um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. October can't come soon enough for me. Now you've actually got a number of trips to the mountain this year. You've already had one in TCR. You're heading back there for the thousand k's, and then you've got another one in the uh, TCR end of year event. So that's uh, rather fun for you. Three trips in one year. Yeah, absolutely right. So I've spent you know the the best part of, I guess, 12 or 15 years, just going up to Bathurst once a year, which has always um, been in October. And yeah, this year, like you, like you say, I've, I will have ended up being there three times throughout the year. So there's worse, um, worse racetracks to um, to be going to multiple times across the year. And it was great to get up there at Easter and race across that Easter weekend um, in, in the TCR car, the, the Renault Megane. And, um, yeah, very different challenge driving that style of car around Bathurst where, you know, I'm, I guess very much used to um, the, the supercar around Bathurst. Um, so, yeah, I guess next time I'm up there will be in October for, for the 1000 and it'll be full focus on that race and and um, doing our very best um, for, for the for the 1000. But, um, yeah, later in the year, again in November, we'll be back there with the, the TCR car, which... Um, We'll finish the year off nicely. One of the things that you know far better than I do, because I've never been a racing driver, you have, but one of the things that I've always been impressed with and have fully learned to, to, to see firsthand is that getting to comfort factors, when you're comfortable somewhere. Now, you've been now three years in a row with Pickford. This will be your fourth. You, you had your debut with them back when they were FPR, Ford Performance Racing. So you're very comfortable with that team now, and that must be just another part of the equation to be going there and and finding it, you know, just such comfort uh, for you. Yeah, look, that that is, I think, you know, you sort of hit the nail on the head there, Tony. It's it's a comfort in, and uh, I guess the con- continue um, continuity of the of the relationship that we've sort of, I guess, been able to to build over the last. Well, now it's four years. So um, when I first joined the team um, in 2018, driving with Chaz, um, I really enjoyed that. And um, I found, if, if I'm honest, I did find the first year of, of co-driving a little bit difficult. 
Um, but certainly uh, 2019 and, and even last year, um, I've, I've found that role a bit more um, easy is not the right word because it's still a very challenging role, but I think um, I think I understand what, what is required from the co-driver um, and, and that's probably a little bit of a benefit of, of being you know, full-time in the championship um, for, for a few years because, you know, when you're full-time, you, you know what you want your, your co-driver to be able to do. So um, I think I've been able to um, understand the role that I need to play um, for the team. And, yeah, it just works pretty well, I guess. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys in the team that um, I actually know back from when I did my first Bathurst with the team back in 2010. So um, even walking back in, into the team in 2018, there was a lot of familiar faces there and um, a lot of them have continued to stay. And, you know, I've also built some, some other good relationships with um, with some of the guys on the floor there over the last four years. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's yeah, I guess I'd like to think it's pretty easy from both sides at the moment. And, you know, I'd like to think that I've performed at a, a level uh, that the team have been happy with. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't be continuing our relationship together. Well, one of the things, of course, James, that you bring that not a lot of co-drivers do, and that is that you've been on the podium at Bathurst. You had that second uh, with um, oh god, Taz, um, Taz Douglas, Chaz, yeah, Taz Douglas, yeah, a wonderful young man. <laughs> he's got quite an extraordinary father as well, as I'm sure you're well aware. Yeah, but you and you and Taz boy, actually would have, yeah, you and Taz would have actually grown up a bit together around racetracks in the last sort of uh, ten, fifteen years, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, funnily enough, it's going back a few years now, but, uh, yeah, 2005, I was um, Taz's former Ford mechanic when uh, he was racing former Ford in the Victorian um, State Series and also doing a bit of the local uh, National Series stuff when, you know, former Ford was, was you know, the, the proven, I guess, single-seater category in the in the country. And, um, yeah, so we, we know, we've known each other for a long time and... Um, yeah, you know, I had three years driving, you know, having Taz as my co-driver at Nissan Motorsport, and um, yeah, the, the highlight was definitely the second-place finish at Bathurst. So it was a fairly eventful day for just about everybody involved, and it was, uh, you know, it was no different for us. So I think um, we were the, the last car on the lead lap when that race got restarted, you know, with 80-odd laps to go. So um, we uh, found ourselves... Almost in the right position. At lap one sixty one, we were just one one place short. Indeed, but you know, wonderful to have that experience, and I'm sure that you rather like the taste of the champagne there, and would be more than happy to get back up again. Come that need in uh, this October. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's that's the motivation for me, Tony. Is um, hopefully one day being able to achieve, you know, the ultimate glory up at Bathurst and. Uh, I guess probably at the end of 2017 there, I was you know, finishing my full-time career in supercars and um, I was you know, probably fairly burned out by it all and yeah, frustrated with, with, with a lot of things and um, probably at the time, yeah, did, did consider about sort of just walking away from it all. Um, but yeah, just that hunger and, and, and desire to, Hopefully, one day conquer the mountain. That's um, that's the motivation for me to to continue 
driving in, in the capacity that I am these days. And um, yeah, really looking forward to getting up there with the Tickford guys. And yeah, you know, I think we should be a good good shot um, at, at you know at least troubling the podium. Uh, and hopefully, it's the, the the middle step or the top step. Nowadays, um, you have a number of drives. In fact, you're having a, a meeting coming up soon where you've got two different cars, two very different cars to drive. Uh, first of all, of course, you drive the Gary Rogers uh, run Renault Megane, which again is something a front wheel drive, very professional sort of team that you're working with. Um, and you must enjoy that experience as well, because having driven for Gary in the supercars and then to be driving a TCR, that's pretty terrific. It's, but it's different also because you've got battleships in that car. Well, uh, I actually have to correct you on that, Tony. We don't actually have paddle shift in, in the Renault. So we've still got a conventional um, six-speed sequential shifter in it. And of all the TCR cars that are out there, it's actually the only car that doesn't have paddle shifts. So um, that's just something that the, um, the the homologating builder of the car in, in Europe, um, Vukovic Motorsport, they, they elected not to um, to fit the car with um, paddle shift. And part of the, I guess, the regulations of TCR is you've got to run the car as in its homologated um, specification. So, um, yeah, strangely... The, the Renault Megans, they're the only cars that compete in TCR that, that don't operate with a paddle shift. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not really an, an issue for me. It's I've really enjoyed um, the challenge that TCR has provided and it has been maybe a bit more challenging than, than what we would have liked along the way with the Renaults being um, reasonably undeve- underdeveloped compared to a lot of the other cars in the field. Um, but our most recent round at, at Sydney Motorsport Park, both both cars ran very competitively all weekend, which you know was probably the first time that that's happened um, with, with both cars um, over the course of a weekend. And, you know, we showed some really good speed there. So um, the thing that we're working on or focus on at the GRM with the, the Renaults at least is, you know, finishing the year off as, as well as we can um, because, yeah, we certainly had a, a, a bit of a, a tough start to the year and, and not as – not as uh, not have had the results that we, we would have um, hoped for heading into 2021. The TCR platform – where you have yes. a lot of different makes and models with their different parities and balance of performance and all those little regulations to try and make them closer. How do you enjoy that style of racing compared to what you were used to with the, the supercars model? Yeah, look, I think f- from a TCR uh, platform or, or model point of view, um, achieving that um, parity across all the different manufacturers is, is clearly a, a a big challenge and you know from what i've seen um they do that very very well um but i think sort of as we've gone throughout the year one sort of thing that has sort of maybe started to to be a bit of a trend is each manufacturer will will have its strengths and weaknesses at at each different track that we go to so um, I think that's sort of good in a way that you don't see just one particular brand dominating the whole time. Um, you know, I think at the start of the year, 
you needed to be in an alpha down at Simmons Plains. I think four of the five locked out the, the top four spots. Uh, four of the five cars that were in Alfa Romeo's that were in the field. So that was the car to, to have them beat down at, at Tasmania. Uh, but then we you had know, the second round at, at Phillip Island. We we, def- we didn't necessarily see that same speed from the Alfa Romeo's and, and the Audis were very strong, uh, particularly in the hands of uh, Chaz Mostert. Um, and he was able to carry that form over to um, to, to Bathurst. And, you know, I think uh, an element of, of, of the speed in the Audi is, is definitely uh, Chaz's driving ability and talent. Um, but, yeah, so I think across the year, um, the way that the, the the balance of performance, if you like, which is, is the BOP, um, and, and in simple terms, that's the, the, the parity for TCR, um, I think they they do a pretty good job of of um, trying to do the best that they can, and you know that that like I said, it just see you, you see some cars that are stronger at some tracks than others, and um, it's a little bit of swings and roundabouts if you like. Um, so yeah, it's something that uh, is just part of that category, and and yeah, I, I, I think it, the last thing you want to see is just one manufacturer being completely dominant over a year so um yeah i I think it works pretty well and compared to those years you had with the nissans where the the car was nobbled right from the get-go it must be uh, a bit more you you feel like you're in a fair fight well yeah you know that nissan thing was a bit of a debacle from the get-go to be honest and um you know, probably from the outside looking in, it looked like they just started to get on top of that program in their final year, which is, you know, the horse had already bolted for, for that program, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that was definitely handled pretty poorly at the time and there was a bit of naivety surrounding it all. And, um, yeah, you know, you just like to think that people live and learn from those types, types of things. So it'll be interesting to see how the, Supercar side of things, you know, achieve parity with with the rollout of the Gen Three. But you know, there's a lot of smart people there, and I'm sure that they're on top of those sorts of things. Uh, James, we should now turn our uh, attention to what's coming up for you, because uh, while it's been postponed slightly, you have got some rather exciting uh, times ahead. Um, first of all, back in the uh, Renault Megane at uh, Morgan Park. Is that a track you've ever competed at? Uh, no, it's not actually. So uh, I've been there once years and years ago. I can't really remember too much about the the, the track itself, but I yeah, certainly haven't competed there. Um, so yeah, I've been um, trying to look at any footage that I can find on YouTube of any ink car um, vision, just to you know get a bit of an idea of where to turn left and where to turn right and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, it's a shame that you know we're not racing at the end of the end of the month in June now, and you know obviously the situation in Victoria with uh, with the COVID or the most recent COVID outbreak has you know forced a postponement of the event. But um, yeah, very much looking forward to getting up to to Morgan Park in what will be now sort of mid August for us. So uh, yeah, a bit, bit longer wait between races, but that's just how it is. And uh, it's definitely been uh, more racing than what we had last year, so um, that's positive. The big news is it'll give you some more time for polishing because I'm sure you want to polish it really well, is the debut for you in TA2, Trans Am, 
um, in a replica lookalike of your father's 1969 Mustang. Um, that must be tremendously exciting for you to be rolling out. In. Is it number nine? Will you be wearing that number? It is. It is number nine, Tony. So yeah, no, that's going to be um, that's going to be super exciting. And um, yeah, I guess when when Barry Rogers came to me with the idea um, about you know competing at Morgan Park in a in a Trans Am TA2 car or. Um, naturally, when we sort of discussed it, well, it was going to have to be in a Mustang, and then yeah, Baz sort of had the idea of, um, along with the great support of, of Adrian at LMCT Plus, um, was yeah, sort of had the idea of making the cars close to a replica in terms of its uh, design livery to to Dad's you know famous '69 Coca-Cola Trans Am Mustang, and yeah, I wasn't. Completely sold on the idea to begin with. Um, I've always sort of tried to steer clear um, of that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I had a bit of a think about it, and I'm like, yeah, this is a, a pretty awesome opportunity and um, to be able to race in those colours. Um, and, yeah, very grateful for the opportunity, to, to be honest. And, um, yeah, thankful to, to Barry and everybody at GRM and, and like I said, yeah, Adrian at LMCT Plus. So um, they've been the, the guys that've been able to to bring it together. And uh, yeah, we even went to the extent of, of getting the car painted in the correct um, Moffat Coke Red colour that um, that Dad's car was painted in. You know, all those years ago. LMCT is your sponsor for this round. And uh, look, I, I was there in 1969 at Sandown when your father rolled out. I can so remember the truck the car, the tent that they had, it was it was just suddenly on a whole different level of motorsport than it had ever been in this country before. Your father did things in such a professional manner that you unfortunately probably never saw because you weren't born until, what, 84? 84, yep, that's right. I can remember vividly in about 1977, 78, being at the Dandenong Club. I was an account executive on the Nissan Motor Company account, and your father would go to the Dandenong Club, and I remember two or three of the gentlemen at the table with him. Um, one was John Price from BP, who I'm sure you would have heard of at some stage. Another yeah. one was a guy from um, Ingersoll Rand, uh, and there was another guy there. Um, it could have been from International Harvester, who, of course, provided his transporter for some years. Um, but the That's way right, I watched yep. firsthand, could see him, could see him firsthand. The way in which he worked with his sponsors, these were people he was. They were partners in his business, and I, I have so much respect and admiration for the way in which your father acted. He wasn't a natural driver, but he worked hard at it. I'm sure you've heard all these tales about him, haven't you? Yep, certainly have. So. With the Trans Am car, have you had a chance to have a test drive of it? Have you been in a car like that before? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've actually uh, had the opportunity to um, to t- test the car at Winton um, a, a few weeks ago. Um, and, yeah, really fun car to drive. Um, qu- quite, quite different to anything that I've been used to. Uh, mainly because of the, the cross-ply tyres on them. So I've, I've never driven anything um, with that sort of tyre technology in it. Um, so, yeah, that, that 
took um, a little bit of getting used to, but um, yeah, certainly haven't driven anything that's left-hand drive with an H pattern gearbox. So um, yeah, that, that was no problem in itself. It was sort of nice to nice to be driving um, a H pattern race car again. To be honest, H pattern gearbox, um, you know, these days were a pretty sport for choice with with uh, even just the sequential shifters. So. Um, dare I say it, you know, with uh, paddle shift technology as well, it, it's all a bit too easy, I think. So, uh, nah, but yeah, the, 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 the car was fantastic to drive. Um, and, you know, sort of just um, like any different car, they, they require, you know, slightly little different techniques. But, um, yeah, a lot of fun to drive and, yeah, really, really looking forward to to getting out there and racing. There's um, some really great young talent in the category with um, with Aaron Seaton and Nathan Hearn and a couple of other young kids that are going really well. Uh, but also to see guys like um, Owen Kelly that have sort of come back to, to racing um, in the category as well. So, um, you know, Owen's a guy that's got plenty of plenty of experience um, both here in Australia and, and overseas in America with, with some of the Xfinity NASCAR stuff that he's done. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to being involved. Um, it's, you know, it's extra special with what we've been able to put put together with it being a replica of, of Dad's livery. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can, you know, every time you go racing, you, you want to do well as well. Um, so hopefully we can be competitive and, and run at the front of the field and, and give um, the guys that have been quick this year, you know, something to, to worry about up at Morgan Park. But um, at the same time, you know, I'm uh, not really putting any expectations on, um, on on the whole thing, I just want to go go out there and enjoy it, and uh, yeah, um, if some results come our way, that that'll be even better. You're in the uh, rare position of having driven supercars, TCR, and TA2. When you think about the cost of racing and the cost of what uh, the cost of what Australian motorsport has to offer, where is that middle ground? to be affordable and still a, uh, a race that's got the oomph that the fans love? Yeah, like I, I think that, you know, for me, that's a really diff- difficult question to answer. And I know there's, you know, probably over the last few years, but particularly probably over the last year, there's been a lot of commentary surrounding that sort of topic. And, you know, in particular, I guess, supercars shift to Gen 3 and, um, you know the expenditure involved in all that, and the, the running cost of the car, and um, yeah, it's you know, it's at the end of the day, any form of motor racing is expensive. You've just got different um, varying levels of it, and you know, supercars is the pinnacle of racing in Australia, and it also costs a, a lot of bloody money to to make all that happen. But um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I you know. The, the TA2 platform, T- TCR platforms, they're all different and they're all unique to each other. They've all got their, I guess, you know, if you, if you really want to look at something hard enough and close enough, they've all got their their uh, their advantages or their, their positive uh, points and they've all got negative points if you really want to look at things closely. But um, I guess on paper, you know, the TA2 thing looks uh, very affordable. You know, you're, you're buying a lot of race car for... Relatively speaking, not much money compared to some of the other um, levels of motorsport that you can um, get into, and then the running costs on them um, are, are, are more than reasonable. Um, 
and and you know it's providing good racing. So, um, but you know, TCR is is you know it, it's different to, to TA two as you know supercars is different to TCR. So, um, I guess I'd probably just like to see people not trying to compare one with the other, you know, there's nothing wrong with supercars being what it is and there's nothing wrong with TCR being what it is and there's nothing wrong with TA2 Trans Am being what it is. Just probably encourage people to enjoy them, enjoy each of them for what they are. Um, you know, supercars is the pinnacle of, of Australian motor racing and, you know, it should be. Um, and, you know, hopefully it can stay there and, um, you know, I think uh, TCR has some great potential in this country and, you know, appeals to a different demographic and a different type of fan than, say, supercars does. And, you know, likewise with, with TA2, it's it's different and it won't be everybody's cup of tea, but it'll really excite, you know, certain people. Um, so, yeah, just I'd probably just encourage people to enjoy each of the categories that you see out there for what they are. And, and uh, yeah, I know there is, like I said, a lot of commentary around, you know, costs and rightly so, but at the end of the day, motorsport is expensive. I'm not too sure how you get around that. Speaking of expensive, James, I remember you so vividly, you first coming to my notice, um, Barbara Gallo in a Lotus Elise 2002, three, something like that? 2004. And your uh, friend, mentor, agent, manager, uh, David Siegel was standing next to me, I think, as you were making quite an impact in that uh, Lotus Elise race. Uh, you, you followed an unconventional path, but obviously a very successful one to get to uh, where you were in your career later on. Yeah, oh, you know that's a very fair point. It, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't the conventional path that a lot of people sort of took to get to supercars, but you know. Um, very early on in my career, I, you know, I desperately wanted to do Formula Ford because, you know, I saw that that was the the pathway to try and get into supercars, and I was very much focused on always trying to achieve um, getting into supercars. I never really had um, ambitions to go overseas or anything like that. Um, my focus was always trying to become a professional race car driver here in Australia, and that that meant you know competing in, in supercars and. Uh, but yeah, like I said, early on in my career, um, I, I just didn't have the budget to compete in Formula Ford, um, even though that's what I wanted to try and do. And um, an opportunity um, came up right at the very last minute to to race in the first championship round they had for that that Lotus Series in twenty four uh, two thousand and four, I should say, up at Darwin. And when, when I say very last minute, I'm talking maybe the Tuesday or the Wednesday of the race meeting. So the, once we sort of agreed and, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to do this, the biggest hurdle was getting a flight up to Darwin to be there for Friday morning for practice. Um, so I think from memory, I, I rolled into Darwin maybe 2 a.m. Friday morning. That was the... The, the last flight that I could get there to make sure that I was there for practice and um, yeah, the way that weekend unfolded, I you know was qualified on pole and won the first race and won the last race, which was um, good enough to win the the round, the overall round, and yeah, just from then it was just a round by round basis on uh, for the rest of the year and managed to uh, to go go all right through the rest of that year and. 
um, I guess yeah, that sort of that was what really sort of kickstarted for me things for me. Um, and then I eventually ended up back in Formal Ford uh, back in 2007. It just I did a few things in between. Indeed, um, Utes would have been one. And I was thinking when you were talking before about driving uh, the TA2 at the uh, Winds and Test Day that um, the, probably the car that you most um, would have been felt familiar like would have been when you were in Utes, that uh, that feeling of uh, a TA2 in it being a bit tail happy and um, moving around a bit. Yeah, probably that's a, a fair point. Although you know, the Ute really couldn't pull itself out of its shadow. Unfortunately, those those things were big, big, heavy old you know things that not a huge amount of power, even though they were still V8s. But geez, they were heavy. I think they were sort of close to eighteen hundred kilos. So the TA two car's got a um, you know a, a LS three crate motor in it and um, you know they only actually weigh about 1200 kilos so you know relatively speaking they're a fairly light race car they just probably look a bit bigger and heavier than what they are um, so yeah the, the, the TA2 car it, it, it gets around the track yeah, very very nicely so the, yeah, the, the, you know touching on the utes that, that all came about because I, I had a sponsor um Trend Windows that, that came on for, I think, the last couple of races in the Lotus Series in 2004. And, um, you know, doing the Utes wasn't really something that was on my radar, but, you know, it worked in perfectly with, with um, the Trend Windows guys um, to, to continue or even increase their involvement um, as a sponsor because they um, they actually did up a lot of their, their road Utes um, Work utes um, in the same colours as as the race ute, um, but yeah, that, was, that wasn't probably the most enjoyable year of racing that I've had. I was, you know, by the end of it, I was uh, I was pretty over it, if I'm honest. But um, you know, I, I just had to try and use it as a stepping stone, and you know, I was able to do that fortunately. And um, yeah, but but anyway, had a few laughs along the way. Indeed, you have. Um, one question I actually was meaning to ask you about for a while is that you've been, uh, you know, obviously uh, having a very famous racing father, um, very successful, well-known, well-respected. Um, you'd also know James Small. And James, uh, like yourself, has a father who had a big reputation. Do you have any contact with James at all? Um, yeah, well, funnily enough, you, you mentioned James's name. He he was actually um, on the radio to me for the first couple of uh, races back back when I was in the Ute because um, Leslie's father, who's you know well renowned um, um, engineer, if you like, or guru um, engine builder, guru guru mechanic, um, through uh, the the car that I actually raced. Was actually for Alan Grice. It was Alan Grice's car, and Alan and Les go uh, go way back. Um, so the the Ute was prepared out of out of Les's workshop in um, in Knox here in, in in Melbourne. So um, James actually at that point was still sort of trying to I guess forge a driving career himself, but at the same time was a very 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 smart um, engineer in his own right. And uh, yeah, he actually ran the radio 
to me for the first couple of rounds and then the reason why he stopped running the radio to me was because he jumped in Gricey's other ute, which was uh, so Gricey, I, I was naturally in a Ford and Gricey had a Commodore there as well. And then James did, I, I think from memory, James did uh, two or three rounds as well. Um, so that stopped um, him being on the radio to me and you know then since then he's obviously gone on to a lot more bigger and better things and um, the only contact that I, that I might have with him um, these days is um, when he when he wins a race over there in, in the States as a NASCAR crew chief I might just ping him a message saying well done on the weekend or, or something like that but um, yeah he's, he's obviously yeah he's a highly intelligent guy and proved himself as um, one of the gun engineers out here in, in supercars land when he was um, working as a race engineer in Australia and then um, clearly had ambitions to, to head overseas to, to America and take on NASCAR and he's he's done an amazing job of that to find himself in, in a crew chief role in one of the best teams and with one of the best drivers. So um, good luck to him and yeah, wish him all the success. Yes, indeed we do. And uh, we hope to get him on sometime in the near future on the show. But, James, thank you for calling us. Um, I uh, won't be able to make it at Morgan Park, nor Craig. I certainly hope to be at Sandown, I think, which will be your next run down south. Um, but, you know, James, uh, I, I wish you all the very best in both your mounts for uh, Melbourne Park and uh, look forward to talking to you uh, at Sandown in person. But uh, maybe we'll catch up before then after the Morgan Park Round. So thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars. James Moffat. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate the time. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.